Hello, everybody. Welcome to A Voice in the Wilderness broadcast. I'm here with Pastor Travis Buchanan from City Church in Lake City. And uh, got a lot of cool things we want to talk about today. And man, the service Sunday was just awesome. Well, it was fun, man. I, uh, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And so, yeah, man, the Lord got lifted up. And I just had a good time in the Lord, you know, really just kind of leaning in on this question, how can I change? It's something that I believe that we all desire, uh, but yet few of us experience and kind of just navigated through the life of Jacob and his encounter and his experience with true authentic change. So yeah, man, it was, uh, it was a blast, you know, I, I was having a blast up there. I don't know if you could tell, but you know, it was, uh, I, I don't know, it was just really, really good. Yeah, I was telling you know, Crystal that when you're when you're praising worship and you got people around you that really are enjoying praise and worship, you know, just kind of you know, it's like it's infectious. It is. It's kind of you know, and having Sean there and and uh, you know having that little God moment with Sean was awesome. You yeah. Know? It was just like uh, I was just sitting there and I was looking, I was looking at his you know his back. I was sitting behind him and and I just reached up and I you know grabbed him. And I said, you do realize that this is the seed that you have sown. Sure. Yeah. God's using right now because he was just in. I could tell he was really having a good, uh, a good time with the service, and it was just. And obviously, it was a God moment for him because you know he's been through a lot of highs and lows since then, man. Absolutely, absolutely, and you know him being an influence and factor in my life, and he'll be forever tied not just to the ministry, but you know relationally. We go back. You know, before Jesus, you know, this is a, a journey that uh, we've both been on together. He knows the good, the bad, and the ugly when it comes to, to me. He was, a, you know, an influence and factor in my life whenever we lost, you know, our daughter. And so, yeah, we like to cut up together, goof, or, you know, goof around together, but also share victories together. And so it's been real good, man, that he could come back and he can experience and just kind of lean into what God's doing and knowing that. Uh, that investment, he's a part of it. No matter how much time passes by, it's still uh, it's still rewarding to know that you're a part of something that God's doing, that it's successful, that it's impacting people's lives. And, and so, yeah, I, I love seeing him up there jumping around and, and knowing, hey, this started out with two goofballs <laughs> going to get. I mean, it was him, him, it was him, me, and Michelle going to Jacksonville, the North Side. And picking up two speakers and a microphone, you know, and the whole time Michelle's like, you don't need, we don't need to buy this. It smells like spray paint, you know, it was from a heavy metal band and we're just so excited to do anything for Jesus. It's like, no, it's going to be okay, babe. It's fine. She's like, it smells like spray paint. It's cool. And so we get, we get home, we plug it in. We're like, man, we're going to be preaching the gospel out of this thing. It's going to be awesome. And it sound like uh Charlie Brown's teacher, wah, 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 like you couldn't hardly even understand the speakers blown. We did one service, he sells them, we upgrade real quick, and you know, it's just little moments like that to see, you know, what God can do. I mean, really, our vision at City Church is to see what God can do through you, because if he can do it through us, I mean, like the least of, he can do it through anyone, and so it's like, man, we challenge people and encourage them. You don't have to have it all figured out. Just go, you know, yeah. just just go enjoy the journey of faith with Jesus. It's amazing. Yeah, I think that was something that I went up, me and Crystal went and saw my mentor, George Kiss, this morning. And 
I think that was one thing that I was just kind of resonating on me this morning was I'm just sitting there going, I can't believe that God is willing to use me. Because this is the reality. Me and you and Sean, mm -hmm. we know. Yeah. We know B.C. Skip, B.C. Mm -hmm. Travis, B.C. Sean. And we know when we look back and we see all that God's done in our life, we're just like, you know, it, it just gives anybody hope. That's the thing that I think people have a hard time understanding. Is, you know, Why are you so passionate about the gospel? Because I know there's freedom in it. And sure. I know there's so many people out there that need the truth and they need to be broken. They need this, this bondage of sin to be broken in their life. Mm -hmm. And I just want them to understand it's real. Yeah. It's tangible. And it will change your entire life. So you was talking about Sunday. You was talking about change. You know, how do we change as a as a uh, as a person as a Christian? And I was thinking about that as you first came in. And you know, that was a process for me that took probably. I mean, I'm still changing, but my major changes took over a year yeah. after I got born again. Yeah, it's a it's a process, and we can see in John chapter 11. It's a beautiful illustration that we can experience the newness of life, we can experience the, the resur resurrection power of Jesus, but still be bound by some things from our past, some, some residue. And, you know, I love the fact that, you know, even though Jesus speaks into that situation and says, Lazarus, come forth, he still comes out of that grave and he's got those clothes on. He's got the residue, he's got the... And he, he's got that, you know, that it factor from before he experienced the resurrection power to now. And he, he tells the people that are standing around, loosen him. Right. And so, you know, in this process of change, God uses healthy relationships to help us to experience the new man in Christ. Like we all desire new wine, but the reality is, especially in Jacob's life, Jacob uh, he was a deceiver, a supplanter, but he had he had Israel on the inside of him. Right. And so at the end of the day, you know, Jacob is our flesh. Israel is the spirit. We all have a, a flesh. We all have a spirit. And God takes us on this process and this journey. And he uses people, godly people, like with like precious minds and faith to come together. And when we, you know, I love this fact that we can confess and be and be forgiven from our past in a moment. Right. But just because we've been forgiven of our past doesn't mean that we've been healed from it. That's right. And so Israel had to deal with a lot of the choices and decisions that Jacob made. And a lot of times we don't deal with them. We think we can outrun them. And because we have this concept of, oh, I'm a new man, I've been baptized. Well, yeah, but Jacob still created a pattern that Israel's having to deal with if you don't understand that there's a process to change. Yeah, for me, it was, it was like I said, it took about a year. And slowly God, he knew exactly how to get things out of my life. It was really, it was really cool because, you know, God knows you so intimately. Mm -hmm. And he knows exactly what is going to work to really get you to see things the way he wants you to see them. And uh, I'll share just one story about how God changed me. Because when I first got saved, uh, he, and I, I was I was holier than thou, you know. You get you go through that stage where you're just trying to, you know, it's it's really not a good stage. Fake Jake. <laughs> yeah, fake Jake. Yeah, fake Jake. we've all been through fake Jake stage. And so <laughs> we were over at some friends, and our our girls were small. Um, I think I think Gracie was around eight years old, maybe. And um, and I was I was telling her I wanted her to ride with me because 
Crystal had had a glass of wine with her friends. We, you know, I just got born again, and I was being, you know, Mr. Fake Skip. And um, I remember that little eight-year-old leaned up between the seats and looked at me and said, you drink beer. And I was like, really? I said, well, what are you trying to say? She said, I don't like it when you drink beer. I said, okay. She said, I want you to promise me you'll never drink beer again. And I was like, and I'm looking in my rearview mirror at her little face. Yeah. And I was like, okay. I'll tell you what. I'll promise I'll never drink again if you promise you'll never drink. And we made a deal. Right. Of course. She's 18 now. And since that night, I've never had another drip of alcohol cross my lips. And people say, well, how can you be so strict about it? It's real simple. It's my responsibility to be an example to my daughter of a man. Mm-hmm. And I don't want my daughter to think that she can have a man break promises to her and it's sure. okay. Yeah. So my, my thing was I never wanted to walk in, into my house or into my door or up to the presence of my daughter and have alcohol on my breath and, and break that promise. Sure. So God knew that. God knew how serious I would take that. So that was the way he used that in my life. But it, it's, it's an interesting process that you got to go through. But I, I, it's always like this, man. If I go to the gym for one week, you're not going to be able to tell. Mm-hmm. But if I continue to go, eventually you're going to start seeing some, dif- some difference in me. And that's what I always try to tell people about walking with the Lord. It's not going to happen overnight. Things aren't going to just change. Sometimes things do change. When I got born again, some things change. But there was a process for some other things, just like we were talking about with Jacob. And so it took, you know, it took about a year for the major things that I was struggling with to get cleaned up out of my life. And so, um, but man, I just love the way that you were talking about how he was wrestling with God, because I love that story, man. Sure, yeah. It's, you know, and it's really a, I think we all wrestle with things, you know. Um, we're labeled, this life will label us. Uh, this broken, fallen world puts labels on us, and we always live up to the labels that we allow in our life. Right. It becomes the lid. You can't, you can't live beyond that label, what you believe. You can't live beyond it. And so I think in that effort to discover who we are, right, what we were created for, and the tension that's created by the labels that the world puts on us that don't define us, that there's this tension, there's this point to where, you know, you come to a a head where you're like, I'm Jacob, you know, I'm the deceiver, like fake Jacob, and I made this comment Sunday, and I I don't mean anything bad by it, because I was one, I can talk, you you realize if you you are one, you can talk about it, you know what I mean, and so we've got too many fake Jakes in church, like that really want to experience change, and they want to encounter the presence of God, but God wants to encounter Jacob, right? He doesn't want to encounter the, the fake Jake. And the local church needs to be a place where we can have an authentic encounter with the presence of God. And we can be we can be Jacob, like, here I am, Lord. Here, here I am. And so, you know, creating that environment where people feel safe, uh, where they feel like I'm not rejected, I'm accepted. And what I like about the whole, you know, the result of that that struggle and that tension is the last time that Jacob wanted to be blessed. It was by deception. He deceived right. Isaac, his father. He says, you, you feel like Esau, but you sound like Jacob. And he says, who are you? And he goes, I'm, I'm Esau. Well, that's the world's way of trying to be blessed. I got to be something that I'm not. That's right. And so we put these labels on us and it, and it, you know, it defines us and it limits us. 
And so in this encounter, you know, Jacob finally gets real. And when the angel of the Lord says, who are you? He said, I'm Jacob, man. And I, I pray that City Church is a place to where people can just let their guard down and say, here I am. I'm Jacob. And God wants to meet us in these moments. And so that we have an encounter. Listen, this is key. That changes the way we live. Amen. You know, he touched him in the, the socket of the hip. And now everywhere he went, he could tell and people could tell that something actually he changed. Right. And it started with, okay, here I am. I'm Jacob. I'm not fake Jake. I'm not Esau. You know, and so I, I, I love how how God leads us to these places. And, and he was alone. You right. know, he sent his family. Sometimes God just needs to get us by ourselves so we can be real with ourselves. That's what I love about your ministry, man. It's about pulling pulling the distractions yep. away so that you can have that encounter with Jesus to the degree that it changes the way that you live, not just in a spiritual change, but an actual natural application, like physically. You don't walk the way you used to walk. You don't talk the way you used to talk. You don't go. You don't do. You don't hang. And it's effortless, not because you're trying to change out of this behavior modification. It's because God has touched your heart, changed your heart. You've had an encounter with the power of God, the gospel. And and now out of that changed heart, you just live differently. You're, you're new wine and new wine skin. And so... I, uh, I just love, I love, I love the fact that, you know, God gets us alone and we can have an encounter with him that makes real physical, tangible change. Yeah, I love it. I love your heart because, you know, one thing I realized when I started the FCA Outdoor Ministry and I started getting these kids out there in the wilderness and sitting them around a fire and asking questions and tough questions, you know, you know, about their purity and their eyes and, and the pornography and stuff. And, and I started seeing all these young boys start repenting. Mm-hmm. And the first thing that the Lord kind of gave gave notice to in my heart was, these young men can't do that in most churches, right? Because they they're so afraid people are going to judge them if they come forward and they they talk about the struggle. And so when we get out there around the campfire and I start talking about this at campfire confessions and we have some time out there, a hundred percent of these teenage boys that I take out there normally, if it's not a hundred percent, it's close. We'll start repenting for things like that. And I'm telling you, man. We have got to open the altars of church and make them a no-judgment zone. Yeah. These the people have got to be able to come to the altar and get prayer and have an opportunity to confess some things in their life that are hurting them so that they can be free. Right. And that's what I love about your heart. You're trying to set up a, a dynamic to where people can come and get healed. And that's what we're supposed to be doing in our churches. And I just love that about you. And then another thing you were talking about, change. And I want to share this with the ladies that are out there. Um, I had the I had the, the the pleasure of speaking at a women's conference one time, and I was kind of you know you know I'm a guy I was struggling with you know what am I going to say to a bunch of women, and the Lord took me to you know the the verse in Romans about you know don't be conformed to the patterns of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and I was thinking okay God what does that got to do with me and talking to these ladies, and this is what He said He said every morning. He said, uh, most of my daughters will get up in the morning and go and look in the mirror and try to fix something that's not even broken. Mm-hmm. And so they're renewing, they're, they're renewing their mind that they're not, they're not valued, that they're not seen as beautiful, they're not seen as important. And God said, if they would get up and read the word and spend some time with me and let me instill their value in who they are, 
and let them know that they were perfectly created by me and my hand, and I knit them together in their mother's womb before they go and put on their makeup and fix their hair. They would have a true identity of who they are, and they wouldn't have all these self-esteem issues. Yeah, insecurities and all these labels that you know the world puts on us that are so damaging that uh, false. And the reality is, it's the Word of God that liber- liberates us from false labels. And right. so when we, you know, we go to the Word of Truth, it sets us free. Free from what? Free from all those false labels that we have been stuck to us, that we live up to. Um, and so it rips them off. It shows us who we are in Christ. And what I love about it, about the whole the, the text, it's like, man, the Creator is the only one that has the right to name something. Amen. And it doesn't matter what, I mean, you just remove the spiritual, you know, application right off the table and, you know, let's look at a vehicle. Ford has the right to call their sports car a Mustang. Why? Because they're the creator of it. And so a lot of times we hear, you know, preachers sit there and say, you know, you're you're not who they say you are. You're not what you do. And a lot of times you might have the question, well, why? Why can they say, how does that make that you know, that truth. Well, the reality is, is not the world, not others, not even what we do has the right to name us, only the creator. The Bible says that we were formed and fashioned in our mother's womb. We were born through our parents, but we were created by God in the image of God. And he's the only one that has naming rights. And so the Bible says that Therefore, there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus because even the things we do does not have the right to define who we are, period, only God. And so when we start understanding that and we start living out of these labels that belong to us, I'm Israel, you know, that's the truth and I'm an overcomer. I'm not Jake the snake, the first (laughs) loser, you know, as long as Jake stays the snake and thinks he's the first loser, he'll live up to it every single time. But what I love about God in the process of change that he isn't just the God of Abraham, Isaac, but he's also the God of Jacob. That gives me hope that, hey, he's still the God of my faults. He's still the God of my failures. He's still the God of my imperfections. He's still the God of when I don't get it right. He's still that God. He isn't just God of Israel. He's also the God of Jacob. And so, man, that brings me great comfort that I can be authentic, I can be real, I can be vulnerable, because no matter what I do, and no matter what others say, and no matter where, you know, what culture tries to define me as, they have no right to name me and to label me. Only God has that right. And when I start wearing the right labels, then I'll start living up to them. Amen. And it'll be a byproduct. Like, you, Jacob couldn't help but limp because he was touched in something. Right. He couldn't fake it. <laughs> he couldn't fake it, you know, and that's what God wanting to lead us to a place to where we crucify our flesh and we live out of that royalty, live out of that spirit, and we don't have to fake it. Why? Because that's the truth. That's just who we are. And I think that's one of the things that really makes uh, your ministry and my ministry uh, so good for people is because we don't know anything else but to be real. I mean, yeah. and, you know, some people aren't comfortable with that. Some people don't like the fact that you're so real and so raw. But the reality of it is, is that when I talk to somebody about what Jesus has done in my life, I want them to see hope. Sure. You know, I don't want to be fake and, and, and try to walk it out in a way that that's not realistic. Man, I want people to see, hey, I am just as jacked up from the floor up as you are. Yeah. And look what God's done in my life. Look how God's using me 
to reach and help other people, these coaches and stuff that God gives me an opportunity to do ministry with. Man, I love these guys. But for them to start understanding and realizing the amazing impact that God has given them in all these football players' lives. You know, Billy Graham said, a coach will impact more people in one year than most people will in a lifetime. Absolutely. That is a huge responsibility that a lot of coaches don't even recognize until you start talking to them about it. Right. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. You talk about influence, man. You know, being at a place to where you can be authentic. You know, I don't know about you, but I didn't need a little tweak. I needed to experience <laughs> the 180 degree, you know, Amen. turn. Like Jacob, which is manipulator, deceiver, planner. That's a long ways away from Israel, which is royalty or prince. And so I love the fact that maybe, maybe some people needed a, a small tweak. I needed a 180. Like I was, you know, I was messed up, man. I was hurting. I was broken. And the reality is it's got to meet us in that place. And there's also a place of change. You know, it, it isn't just the process. It isn't just the promise. It isn't just the pressure and the pain. But there's a place of change. God, you know, what, what I love about the text is in, in Genesis chapter 35 and verse 1, it says God said to Jacob that uh, to, to, to go to a place called Bethel. He gets get ready and move and go to Bethel and build an altar there. Uh, and Bethel means house of God. And so what's interesting about the text is that's not the first time Jacob had been to Bethel. Uh, he was there earlier in Genesis. He actually fell asleep and he had a dream and he looked up and he seen a ladder. This is where we get Jacob's ladder. And the angels were ascending and descending. And he woke up and said, man, this surely is the gate of heaven, which is the house of God. So therefore, this place shall be called Bethel, house of God. And he left. But in Genesis 35, God's telling him to go back to the house of God and settle there. Because the reality is, is not only does God use people to help you change, he also uses a place. And that place is the local church, the house of God. But the, the truth of the matter is, is that even though he stayed there one night, change doesn't happen with a one night stand with Jesus. That's right. That you've got to get planted, you've got to get settled. The Bible says those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish. And so it's not this one time, one night stand, I come to church one time, I pray one time, I give one time. No, it's about settling in the house of God with the people of God and allowing the word of God to strip you down, to peel off these false labels that, that uh, enslave us and allow the word of truth to label us and to remind us. You know, we need to be reminded, like, you know, Romans chapter 12, like you quoted before, he says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing. A lot of people said, well, how'd you change? Well, I renewed my mind. Well, no, you're still in the process of renewing. Right. The surefire way to stop being conformed into the image of Christ is think that you have arrived. arrived Amen. And you have already fell for the snare and the trap and the wiles of the devil in that moment. The renewing of a mind of your mind is a continuous, consistent process that when we come around the people of God and we're planted in the house of God, that we can be consistently and continuously reminded of the labels that belong to us that God defines us by. And 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 so we can think that, hey, I come to church one time, I don't understand why I'm I'm not experiencing change, because change doesn't happen with a one night stand with Jesus. 
That's right. Yeah. And, and that was what the way it was for me, man. It was like I, when I got when I got to the point where I started meeting with George, you know, when I I was telling Travis this story before we got on the air and I'll share it with you guys. So when I first got born again, guys, I was bad before I got born again. Like, like I don't even want to get into it, but I was real bad. And so and my wife and I have been together since we were teenagers. And so she knew how bad I was. And so we're sitting there one night, and I, I just kept telling her, I said, I really feel like God's going to call me into the ministry. And, and, of course, her and my mother-in-law kind of laughed at me because I was so bad at one point. It was almost, like, comical. And so I picked up the phone to call my pastor because I was, like, just sitting there reading my Bible. And I'm like, man, i got to talk to somebody because I really feel like God's calling me into the ministry, and i got to talk to somebody about it. And I pick up the phone, I call Rodney Baker, and he answers the phone, and he says, you feel like God's calling you to the ministry, don't you? And I was just shocked. I was totally shocked. I, I was so new in my faith. I didn't realize that God would, you know, speak in people's spirit and kind of connect things like that to make it confirm. And I was like, how did you, how in the world did you know, man? He said, I've been seeing it in you. God's been revealing it to me as I see you at church and stuff. And so he gave me George's telephone number. And when I started meeting with George, and he started teaching me to memorize scripture and study and really, you know, what I call, I, I try to tell people that the process of discipleship, it's not glamorous and fun. It just isn't, man. It is work. It's like going to the gym. Yeah. It's like going to the gym for your spirit. I mean, it's, it, it's got to be, it's got to be, you got to be dedicated to it. You got to be consistent with it. You got to do the part, do your part. You know, and I was telling those young guys as I spoke to the football team last week, I said, Jeremiah 29, 11, everybody knows that verse. Uh, I've got great plans for you, says the Lord. But they forget verse 13. Our part is to, is to seek him out with all of our heart. That's our part. You know, he has a plan. He wants to do great things in your life. But you got to seek him with all your heart. Yeah. Well, you know, I've found in this walk with Jesus, he doesn't do the, the half, halfway thing. You know no. what I'm saying? No. It's not going to benefit you. And what a lot of people don't understand is that what starts out as discipline actually turns into delight. Amen. You, you know what I mean? It's like, okay, I'm creating a new pattern. You know, and I said Sunday that I'm not a mathematician, but in mathematical, you know, language, what we call a, par a problem is actually called a pattern. Right. And so the answer to the problem is called a product. And so a lot of people spend much of their life for example, two plus two is the pattern. Four is your product. And we can spend so much time trying to change four in our life, but it'll always be four unless we're willing to change the pattern. Right. And so when we discipline ourselves to get into a place to where we're renewing our mind, we're constantly being reminded of who we are in Christ through the truth of God's word. The pattern of our life changes and as a result of the pattern changes, the product changes. I mean, no, you you got two plus two is always going to equal four, and it don't matter if you you can beg to God, you can you can cry, you can pray, and those aren't bad things. But those aren't things that are going to change your life if you can operate in wisdom, right? Right. As long as you keep adding two plus two, it's always going to equal four. And some people just are praying, God, I don't understand why my life equals four. It's your pattern. Right. And if you would use wisdom to change your pattern, you wouldn't have to worry about the product because the product is always a it's a it's a byproduct of your pattern. That's right. And so God wants to change 
uh, change who we are in Christ, empower us by His Word and the Holy Spirit to change change that pattern, or we'll just be new wine going into an old wineskin. And Jesus said, "It's run. It doesn't do anybody any good because He understands that a product is always the result of a pattern. No. Can't you can't keep doing the? I think the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and <laughs> over. And we've seen that right. when you're counseling, people will do the same thing over and over again and go, "I just don't understand why this keeps happening to me." And it's like, because two plus two will always equal four, my friend. No, I, I tell <laughs> when I'm when I'm talking to couples, I'll tell them I'll say, "Look, all this information that we're sharing with you from God's Word, if you apply it, your marriage will get better. Mm-hmm. If you ignore it, nothing's going to change." Nope. And you know what? I'm shocked at how many times they'll ignore it and expect something to change. It just doesn't work like that, you know? And I'll give you a perfect tangible example, okay? We're all in the political season right now, and everybody's all up in arms about who's going to be elected the next president of the United States. Listen, if you hate Donald Trump, watch Fox News for one week and don't watch nothing else. (laughs) If you hate Joe Biden, watch CNN for one week. And I promise you that will all change. It's all about what you renew your mind with. Yeah. yeah. And if people understood how rich and how deep and how wonderful the Word of God is. Yeah. And how much it will change you. And, you know, I know one of our favorite uh, communicators, Andrew Womack, he, he's got a series called Effortless Change, and he talks about that. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's about changing the pattern of your life. As a result, you'll be able to enjoy the product. And so, yeah, you can't you can't help but to change when you get God's word in you and it's working uh, and through your heart by faith and you're putting it into practice, not just being a hearer of the word, but also being a doer of the word. That's important. It isn't about how much Bible you can quote. It's about how much Bible you can live. Amen. That's exactly what George was talking about. Yeah. I mean, we live in a Bible belt. We've got people that can quote books and I mean, quote scripture because we've just been raised around it. We've become numb to it but yet they don't they don't live it and so they're only deceived because it's not how much you can quote it's how much you can live that's going to make an impact it's not about the quantity it's about the quality of your faith that's mustard seed faith right there you know what i mean it's like no all you need is a mustard seed all you need to know is a few and live those things out completely sold out to it now we do need to memorize scripture we need to practice those disciplines but to be honest what good is it going to do if you're not living it i mean it's like are you flexing your your spiritual muscles so you can look like a pharisee or i mean what what, what, you know for you to know the word and go out there and not display the love of christ and use it to beat people up or stand on a corner and it just isn't one effective ministry and it's not the heart of god uh, and two, we should be living out and displaying, uh, you know, what we say we believe or just be quiet. <laughs> yeah. Well, First John 2, 6, if you say you're in Christ, you must walk as Jesus walked. Yeah. And in this political season, you see people just bashing these candidates and talking how this one lies and that one lies and this one does that. And, and they'll, you know, they kind of try to drag you into that. And I'm like, look, guys, I don't have a stone to throw. You know, right. When yeah. Jesus was sitting there with the, with the woman that was caught in adultery, he says, he who is without sin cast the first stone. And I'm like, hey, look, I don't have a stone to throw. Okay? I do not have one. Do you have one? I have I have not a stone to throw. And, and, and the demonstration and the lesson through that text is the position that God's willing to get into with broken, dirty humanity. Here he is 
um, a woman that was caught in the act of adultery that is humiliated, that is completely wrong. She's caught in sin. But, you know, I've heard scholars and, and pastors and preachers try to, you know, figure out what Jesus was writing in the sand. Well, that's that's not the lesson through the text. The lesson is the position that God gets in to defend us. And see, the gospel is inclusive. It's for everyone. It's for, for Republicans. It's for Democrats. And so when we position ourselves, you know, and, and, and get down there, man, where we can be hands-on with those that are broken, those that are far from God, those that, you know, that's the ministry of Jesus. It's not standing around those with uh, a pocket full of rocks looking to stone someone because by, like, by the law, she should have been stoned. I mean, they were factually right, but so spiritually wrong. That's something that the Holy Spirit showed me, that I could be factually right, but be spiritually wrong. And so when we're willing to cast the, the stones at people and point our judgmental finger at people, I, I really go back to this lesson that the Holy Spirit showed me about being factually right, but so spiritually wrong, and getting getting down there with me. When Paul said, I weep when others weep and I rejoice when others rejoice, I'm willing to meet people in their brokenness. I'm willing to meet people uh, when they're not right. I'm willing to meet people when they are right. I, I want to get down there and minister the love of God. and Like God's love, right, covers. You know what I'm saying? And so if we're going to be effective in ministry, I think the position that we hold a lot of times um, makes it, to where we can be a little, we can have some inroads, you know what I'm saying, oh, yeah. like to people's lives because we're willing to get down where they're at. Um, and so I, I love that text, man. Yeah, I, I, it's awesome when you start thinking about it. But, you know, there's people out there that are probably going to listen to this sometime. And, and, you know, this is the thing I want. I hear this so much from the guys in the prison that I preach to and these football players and stuff that are, you know, they're getting into a lot of things they probably shouldn't be into, and they always say, man, i got to get my life straight before I come to Christ. And I'm like, no, nah, that is not how this works at all. I mean, that is not how it works at all, because what he's saying is, Jesus is saying, come to me just like you are. I don't care. I don't care if you're getting high. I don't care if you're doing drugs. I don't care if you're in adultery. What? Come to me just like you are, and let me start helping you overcome these things. And I tell people, sometimes there has to be a supernatural um uh, you know, assistance almost. I tell people, I had a, a guy in a church that I preached at one time that was really big into AA. And it really, it led him to the Lord through the process of AA. And I got up one day in church and I said, well, I know a one-step program. He didn't like me talking about that because he was so passionate about the 12-step program. But the reality is, is when you really take that heart, man, and you lay it out on that plate and say, Jesus, it's yours. Do with it whatever you want to do. I am yours. I will serve you however you want, and you genuinely mean it. That's a one-step program, man. He will change you. I remember how my conscience got so renewed instantly. Right. And I went from feeling absolutely terrible about everything I had ever done to that no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus to the point to where my wife was like, I don't even understand. You don't even act like you feel bad about the things that you've done anymore. And I'm like, I really don't. That guy's dead, right? I don't even know how to explain what God's done to me, but I don't feel guilty. I feel cleansed. Mm -hmm. And there's so many people out there that want to feel that feeling, man. They want to be healed. They want to be cleansed. They want to be forgiven. But like you said, those labels. Because when you hurt somebody, they constantly want to come up to you and put those labels on you for what you did to them. Oh, yeah. 
And the only way you can get out from under that weight and that guilt is to let God redeem you and correct the mistakes that you've made with the blood that he spilled so that we can be set free. Yeah, absolutely. There's no other way. There's no other way that that uh, we can experience that healing and that deliverance and, you know, the newness of life, um, you know, at the end of the day, man. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, and it's, and I don't mean to minimize it. It definitely is a process, you know, a, a journey. I think we get so caught up in getting there, wherever your there is. And God's infatuated with just the journey as far as developing you and, and, and helping you along the way to discover the Israel that's inside of you. You know what I mean? It's like this this process. And people often think it's almost like this mindset. I've got to get in shape before I go to the gym. Yeah. And it's like, hey, it, it's crazy. It's like only by coming to the gym are you going to get in shape. And it's only when we take our, our next step with, with Christ and we surrender and we say, God, I'm the clay, you're the potter. Begin to mold, shape, fashion me into who you've created me for. You know, I have this concept because I get holy revelation as I come out of the throne room of the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> and I had this thought, and it just kind of made my head tilt, and I looked at myself in the mirror, and I, and I said, you know what? Jesus knows me better than that guy knows me. And I was looking at myself, yeah. and I was like, man, that's the truth. It, you know, yeah. it just, I, I know it's not nothing deep uh, and nothing profound, but I, I did. I had this thought, wow, God knows me better than I know me. Yeah. You know, I thought I knew me pretty good, but to insinuate that I know me better than he knows me would, that would make me superior in that area and that knowledge than God. And I know that ain't the truth. Right. And so when I, I had this like light bulb moment, I said, well, dang. Lord, you know me better than I know me, so you need to lead me into things that I want that I don't even know that I want, but you know that I want them because you know I'm, I, you know me better than I know me. And I said, I'm so thankful that you know me better than I know me because you can lead me to places that I don't even know that I even like. Yeah. You know, it's a, it was a complicated right. you know, thought. And I was like, man, he is the good shepherd. When he's <laughs> leading, I shall not want because he, he knows me better than me. And I love the end of that verse, man. And I've got a brother of mine, R.V. Brown, man, it's a powerful evangelist and he'll do this little illustration when he preaches about Psalm 23 he'll take a rope you know have a couple of the kids grab each side of the rope and he'll have two kids fall and he's talking about and goodness and mercy follow me all the days oh, of my life so and he'll be dragging them kids around the gym yeah man it's and so I just think about that man you know to think that when you choose God's way and you choose to dig in and you choose to stay in the word and you choose to serve him and, and let the scriptures have their way in your life that goodness and mercy mercy not getting what you deserve mm -hmm. follows you all the days of your life man that's powerful man. it's very powerful it sets you free it gives you a sense of purpose and and freedom that even though i, I miss it and even though i make a mistake it's not based off of my performance it's based off of god's covenant his word his integrity his love and so it's you, you're just set free to know that if god be for me then who can stand against me? And so it just frees you to be the, all that God's called you to be and to go and by the power of his grace to do all that he's called us to do because it's following me. It's running me down. His goodness, his mercy, his grace, his love. And so, yeah, it's a it's a freeing, I don't know, man. It's, it's so good. It's the gospel. If it don't make you 
tilt your head and go, man, this is really is almost too good to be true news. You know what I mean? Oh, it's yeah. like you're starting to get into the essence of the gospel. There. Well, they say they say that you know a person goes from being lost and and, and on you know on a, uh, on a, on their way to hell to grace and mercy and salvation and eternal uh, you know forgiveness when they understand grace. Because mm -hmm. great, but this is the reality of it. I've been a born again Christian for 11 years. I still can't wrap my mind completely around grace. It is something that it doesn't even make sense into this in this world in this wherever we're at and whatever Jesus created when He created where we live. It doesn't even make sense because He's removing all the debt from your account and replacing it with total forgiveness. And it's just it's hard to wrap your mind around. Yeah, His righteousness. You know what I mean? It's like, man, we're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, you know? And it's like, wow, this great exchange. He took my sin and he took my death and he took my penalty and he took he took all that on the cross of Calvary and now he's given me his righteousness, his goodness. You know, the scriptures say that we're holy, blameless, above reproach. First John 4, 17 says, as he is, so are we, like in this world. And right. so it's like, really, you know, and it caused John to say, man, what manner of love is this that the Father would bestow upon us? This is absolutely mind-boggling. It doesn't make sense. And that's the unmerited, unearned favor of God. It's like, because we, we are branded and our, our minds are this achievement-oriented, you know, life. That everything that we do, we have to work for, we have to strive for, we have to earn it, we have to go for it. And... At the end of the day, God's grace, his mercy, his goodness, and his love as a father provides that for us as, as an inheritance to draw out of. I love the fact, and this is something that I use all the time and it encourages me, the fact that what God has prepared for me, he has preserved for me. Amen. And so we can see that in the life of David. David didn't have to fight to get into the house of Jesse. This is how God's grace works for his children. This is how the covenant works, that I don't have to worry about, I don't have to cut corners, I don't have to manipulate. I can do what God's called me to do in the season that I'm in, and I can rest and I can relax, because what was prepared for me is preserved for me, and God had called me to the house. I love the fact that he made the brothers stand up. <laughs> <laughs> like, look at me now, you know what yeah. I mean? And, and we don't have to, when we understand covenant, and we understand our Heavenly Father loves us, that we don't we don't have to manipulate situations. We don't have to to cut corners. We don't have to stay awake at night wondering and worrying about, you know, am I gonna be able to do this? Yeah, because if God's prepared it, he's also had by the power of his grace to preserve it. Right. And he's anointed you for it. And I think a lot of times, man, we try to get in the flesh. Jacob tries to cut some corners and do right. say, you know, he wants to get the blessing and it's like, hey, yo, just just be Israel, trust the process, trust God in this, let his grace bring these things to you by his power, by his spirit, not your strength, might, intellect, your, you know, your, your reasoning. But when you're, you're a kingdom kid, these things are brought to you by the power of his love and unmerited, unearned favor. Yeah, it's awesome, man. I, tell you, I, I love walking with the Lord. There's nothing like it. Um, it's the best thing that I've ever done in this life. And uh, I look forward to it. It's, I'm 11 years in, and I'm still getting excited about it. Great, so Lord. I'm as excited about it today as I was in the beginning. But 
So before we get off the air today, man, I want you to kind of give us a little rundown, maybe your website, a couple of things people want to check out City Church. Yeah, www.yourcitychurch.org. Um, yeah, check us out. We uh, You can download the app at Church Center. Go to your, in, uh, I, uh, what's it called? The, uh, Android. Or yeah, the, I, I'm Google not Play. Yeah, I'm not a tech guy. Google Play, Android, it's of the devil. But if you've got it, you can get a holy uh, app on it. Go to Church Center. You'll see uh, City Church there. Click on it, and you can catch all of our, uh, you know, some of our messages that are on there, events that are going on. We're located in the old uh, Anytime Fitness building right on the corner of Sisters Welcome in Bascom North. That's where heaven and earth is colliding right now. Lives are being touched. Uh, man, it's a good season right now. Even though yeah, the world would say it's not a good season. It's really a good season. No, and, well, I'm going to tell you, man, God's really been touching your church, man, through all this craziness. And I've just been watching how it seems like your church bloomed through COVID. It's crazy. Yeah. You know, it was amazing to watch. And so, um, and any of you guys that are interested in the FCA Outdoors, we are fcaod.org, fcaod.org. And uh, we, we do all kind of cool things like this thing here. This is a little leadership a new trip that we do and here's some information on the back and i'm sure my wife can put this on here so you guys can check it out we're also going to be doing a um a banquet we're going to have jace robertson from duck dynasty come Ooh. and he's going to be speaking here in lake city in march so if you want some information about that just touch base with us and we'll get you some information on it come by and see you and uh, we're trying to raise some money so we can take Jesus back into the schools. Hallelujah. FCA is the race car to get Jesus back into the school. So if you want Jesus back in the school, you come on board and help me out with FCA Outdoors. And thank you for being here, Pastor Yes, Travis. it's always a privilege. I love it. I love hanging with you, man. You're my brother. I love you, man. And um, we're going to be doing this once a month. So you guys keep tuning in. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to A Voice in the Wilderness podcast with Skipper Hare. You can stay connected with us and our family on our YouTube channel, Hair Days Uncut. And don't forget to click the subscribe button. If you'd like more information or to support FCA Outdoors, go to fcaod.org.